Well, hello again. Glad you guys are, are here. I know since we've been here, there's been standing, sitting and kids and all sorts of fun. But we're going to continue. And actually, today we're going to be wrapping up the message series called Functional Team. And we've been taking you kind of on a behind the scenes tour of Church in the Valley, Val, Church in the Valley, which is highlight the values of kind of what we hold dear to us here at church. And uh, it's kind of like if you go to somebody's home and they take you in the hallway and they show you the family pictures and maybe this is the kids in high school and this is them at their sports tournaments and they you get the sense of this is what's this is what's important and you get a sense of the history and what the family is about. Well, this is kind of our way of taking you on this tour and taking you to look at what the pictures are of what is important to us. And this is a little bit different of a series because uh, we're kind of letting you know of values and commitments and things that we really hope to to do as a church and not just talk about, but to actually be about and commitments that that we want to make. And anytime you have a group, there really is a need for the group to be defined, um, how you're going to relate to each other, uh, what the group is going to do, what the group is not going to do. And the same is is true of church. The good news is we don't have to kind of arbitrarily come up with our team rules. It's actually something that you can look into the Bible and find out when people come together under the name of Jesus Christ and for him. We actually have specific instructions for how to live and how to cooperate and how to commit to one another. And so that's what we've really been been talking about in this series. What what is it that, that we're going after? And we started the series talking about the mission of our church and the mission you'll see there on the screen. Just want to read that to you to know, love and glorify God and be used by him to help all people to know Jesus Christ and become fully devoted followers of him and to start churches and ministries that do the same. So you see there it begins with knowing and loving God. That's what we want to be all about. But the good news is, as you know, and as you love God, you realize that he is not such a God that just wants it to be all about him. Although he's worthy of all our praise and we should give him all our praise. He actually wants us to not only love him, but as we love him, we actually love others by loving him. We actually can love others in a new way that we can't without loving him. And so really, in short, our mission is is to love God and, and to love people. That's why we are here. That should be the individual goal of our life. And that should be really our goal as a church. And that mission is what directs us. That's the North Star that we want to look at and say, okay, this is this is where we're headed. And in that, we've talked about, okay, to know know and to love God and help other people to know and love God and to to love others. That means that we have to treat each other in a certain way. And we talked about what we call the hard attitudes here at Church in the Valley. And we talked last week about. Anytime you go about doing a work or a project, what, what are the certain values that, that you should hold dear to you as you do it? Uh, instead of just allowing frustration or pressure to cause what you do, what do you do in spite of the pressure? And how do you commit to certain things that actually help you reach the goal in a certain way? And we talked about not just the what, but, but the how. And a lot of times the how, how we go about things is as important as what we're actually trying to do. Because in that, that's where relationships come out of. And we've all been a part of something where people have treated us in a certain way or we've treated people in a certain way. And we just think, you know, that that was so messy. It could have been so much better. And so with God's help, you find as we do things together, 
on his strength and his power, he actually can make a difference in the way that we relate and the goals that we go about. So today we're going to be talking about this idea of, okay, when we love each other and when we love God and we team together, what, what does that actually mean? Like what kind of a team should we be? Now, I don't know if, if you played sports. I played sports in high school and elementary school. I got started in soccer and team sports were always important to me. I, I was always the Rudy of every team I was a part of. I stunk, but I tried really hard. I don't think you guys felt just how much just hard that was to say. But it's true. I, I was no, no means like an athlete stud. And some of you may be and you're like, yeah, I didn't really talk to you guys on our team. I may have been that guy. But we each play a different role on a team that you're a part of. And even if you haven't been a part of a team before and you did things competitively, you, you've been a part of a family unit and family's a team. You've been a part of a work probably with coworkers and that's a, a work team. And so we, we have a sense of kind of team life. But I want to take you back to something that kind of defined my early memory of team. And that was the dream team of the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Some of you may not have been alive in 1992. But there was a thing called the Dream Team, which consisted of the best basketball players in the world. There they are right there. The 1992 Dream Team. Before, in every Olympics in basketball, there had only been amateur athletes allowed to participate. And so throughout the Olympics before 1992, you had college athletes that were participating in the Olympics against other athletes in the world. And finally, we said, enough is enough. It's time to not mess around anymore. We need a dream team. And we decided, let's, let's forget college athletics. Let's go to pros. And we said, the, the world is catching us in basketball. Let's remind them of how far they are. Dream team. And if you remember, it was like the craze. Like everyone was so pumped. Like, is everyone ready for this? Like every American is like... Is the world ready? Are they? Is that just me? I mean, I was really pumped up. But you see all these stars and, you know, you've got Michael Jordan, you've got Larry Bird, you've got Magic Johnson. And they basically came, they came together, they played and they destroyed everybody. And it was awesome. We loved every minute of it. And they were beating like teams by an average of 44 points. Okay. And this dream team had lots of individual superstars, but they came together and they actually had this chemistry that allowed them to actually live up to their name. They were a dream team. It was the kind of like if you could just create this team like it was an arcade game and you brought all the pros. It, this is what happened. And they actually won. And it carried on to the next couple Olympics. And we were just blowing all the other countries out of the water. They were slowly kind of that the margin was getting a little bit smaller, but we were still the dream team. Well, then it, it began to shift. And I believe it was in 2002. We were no longer the dream team anymore. We still had individual superstars and we still had this kind of superstar athletes. But what happened was they actually won the bronze medal. They didn't win the gold. Now, if you're like me, if you want a dream team, do you design a dream team that's going to win a bronze? No. And at that time, everyone's like, wait a second, this dream team is now turning into a 
nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's not working. And other and we, we got beat. And what happened was, is people that have done a lot of studies on what happened in that Olympics in 2002. And what they looked at is, is really, it wasn't the lack of superstardom. It wasn't the lack of skill. It was really a lack of chemistry. What it was is you had a bunch of individuals that knew how to play, but put them together. They didn't know how to function as a team. They didn't know actually how to work together. And what you find is, is that that's actually true in life. Uh, the kind of chemistry that you have with the group of people that you're relating to makes all the difference. It doesn't really matter all necessarily that you can bring to the table. Uh, it doesn't matter necessarily all that someone else can bring to the table. It's when you come together, what happens? How do you actually function as a team? And that's what we're going to be looking at for the rest of our time. The good news is God hasn't put us together as a dream team. We're not like superstars. And he's like, all right, who's the Michael Jordan in this audience? None of us are. We all need God's help. We're not superstars. But when we come to him and we turn our life over to him and we would decide that it's not just about us anymore. We actually do want to make a difference. And we actually do want to do life with other people. There's something that he does with us that causes us to have this chemistry that is fueled by him and his purposes. Chemistry really is kind of another word for morale. There's a certain morale that we're supposed to have as, as followers of Christ when we come together and team up. And morale in French is, is defined as an esprit de corps. And God wants us to have a, an esprit de corps that defines who we are and what we do. And esprit de corps is very important to any group. And as you look into the scriptures, there's a sense in which our morale and our chemistry and our esprit de corps is supposed to be such that people look at the team of Christians and they find that there's no other group that's like that. There's something that's irresistible about it. There's something that, that draws people in. And again, it's not because of us and what we can do individually. It's the fact that God brings us together and unifies us in a way that we cannot do by ourselves. It's very powerful. And that, in, 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 in fact, that's how Jesus is going to change the world. It's through his followers that team up together to share the difference that Jesus makes. Esprit de corps is defined as a certain goodwill of an attitude. And you'll see the definition of there. Feelings of loyalty, enthusiasm, and devotion to a group among people who are members of the group. So loyalty, enthusiasm, and devotion. There's a sense in which this team means a great deal to you. This group of people is a group of people that you want to be a part of. There's a loyalty like this is your, it's your family. That's what you find. In scriptures, the church is actually defined as a family. A family that loves each other. A family that serves each other. A family that actually work together for good. And so God wants to put us together here in Alhambra with this esprit de corps that will actually make a difference that ripples not only here, but transcends across cities and across states. He wants to do that through his followers. I don't know about you, but there's something exciting about being a part of a team that can actually accomplish what it is set out to do. What you find in the Bible is a godly esprit de corps, it builds momentum towards our mission. Okay, if our mission is to love God and love others, a godly esprit de corps is 
okay, this is, this is part of the fuel that helps you get there. This is how you keep going. And there's a, a picture of what that looks like found in Romans 15. And you can see the scripture here on the screen. It says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a couple pictures there which are worth mentioning. You get the sense of harmony with one another. That's what an esprit de corps is. That's what this morale, that's what this commitment is. When you're loyal to each other and you have a commitment to each other, there's a sense and that's where harmony works. That's where harmony is found. You ever been a part of a team where it wasn't harmonious, where there was just people trying to do their own thing and maybe you were trying to do your own thing and the work project isn't getting done successfully because everyone's kind of doing their own thing? Or in school, you have a group project and it's frustrating because you have kind of your idea, they have their idea, and you have to come together to get this assignment done in time. Or in family life, you wake up on Saturday morning and you're thinking, I, I want my free time to do this. And other members of the family think, well, I want my free time to do this. And the things conflict with each other. What you find is, is when it's not harmonious, when there's just people that are doing their own thing, it's very hard to fit together. It's very hard to work together. And what you find in Romans 15 is what happens when you are in harmony with one another, when you are one, when you're unified. You can come together with one voice to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we want to be a certain type of team. Because in our harmony, in our unity, we can come together with one voice. And that one voice is to make God known throughout the world. With one voice, it's not about our own needs and our own goals, but it's about God's kingdom and what He wants to do throughout the world. Again and again, you see, that's the ripple effect. In our harmony and in our unity, we can raise one voice. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. The encouraging thing you see at the beginning of that, may the God of endurance and encouragement. So you get the sense of as you lift your voice with others to let people know it's all about him. He makes the difference. There's this encouragement, endurance. He gives you what you need. He gives you the endurance you need to face the pressures you're facing. He gives you the encouragement you need to face the discouragements you're facing. That's the grace of God. As you work together with others to make him known and to make him more important than anything else, he actually takes care of us. And isn't that kind of the thing that most of the time gets in our way? When we think of teaming with others, when we think of kind of putting aside our own priorities and our own plans, isn't it that we think we're going to get ripped off? I know it is for me. I'm not going to get taken care of. My needs aren't going to get met. And fear creeps in. Well, what's going to happen with this situation? What's going to happen in my future? What's going to happen? It begins to snowball. What you see is this esprit de corps saying, you know what? I don't know the future. I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I have a voice. And from my voice, I want to be unified with others to say it's all about him. That's the kind of team that, that God wants to build here at Church in the Valley. 
And as you're sitting here, we each have a part to play in that team. And so if, if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, I want you to know that as you decide to follow him and as you take that step and say, OK, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I, I don't want to make it all about me. As you do that and you step in to the team that God calls you in, you're now a part of something bigger than yourself. You're a part of a new family that's joined together by God. And in that family, there is love that you can experience that you've never experienced before. Doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean relationships get messed up. They do. But it means that ultimately, as we look to God to guide us, we can be a family and a team that can accomplish the mission that God has given us. And so I want to walk you through kind of how we practically apply the esprit de corps to church life here. And there's four characteristics that I want to talk to you about. And these characteristics are really how we define this loyalty and enthusiasm to each other. And these are are meant to just not be totally in depth. So you walk out knowing exactly how this looks practically in your life. But we want to give you a sense of as you step in to team up and follow Jesus with other people. You're actually a part of things that are characterized this way. And the first is uh, cohesiveness. When you step into team up, part of our esprit de corps, we want to be a cohesive church. And cohesion is defined by we are loyal and we trust each other. Loyalty and trust, very important to any team. Without loyalty and trust, no one really is willing to rely on anybody else, right? You don't give someone something to do if you don't trust that they're going to do it. And you don't give something, someone to, that's important to you if you don't think they're going to handle it in a way that's actually going to do what they say. And so loyalty and trust, it's, it's very important. Division. This is cliche, but, but division, it ruins every team. So cohesion is this idea of we want to stick together tightly here at Church in the Valley. We want to stick together tightly. Because this is the team that God has put together. So cohesion is very important. And you'll see some scripture references. You can look these up. But 1 Corinthians 1.10 that's referenced there is talking about, see that no divisions exist among you. It's really a warning. And that's why cohesion is so important. Because if any division exists, the cracks start. And as the cracks, they, they grow and they grow. And the foundation of your team, it's, it's shaky. So cohesion is very important. Second characteristic of our esprit de corps here at Church in the Valley is we want to be a proactive team, proactive. And that is we want to have a can-do attitude. This is just an informal survey, but how many of you would say, and you could just raise your hand, how many of you would say that you face a problem at least every week in your life? Anybody? It's true. We all face problems. And some of the problems are expected. We saw them coming. Some of the problems are unexpected. We have no idea they were on our horizon. Proactive means that despite the problem, whether we knew it or whether we didn't, despite it's my fault, despite it's someone else's fault, despite it's nobody's fault, and we don't know how the problem came to be, there's an attitude we all have. And it's either we can figure it out and we can do what we need to do or Sorry, are you awake? That, that was a little shrieky. It's true. Oh, no. As I face problems, there's just things within me that kind of well up. And a lot of times when things happen that I don't expect and I didn't see coming, I get in freak out mode. 
And we all have a different level of freak out mode. Some of you are just external in your freak out. Tears come. Stress comes. You just. Tea kettle, tea kettle. And then some of you, it's internal. You're stressed. You're more stressed. This is your stress face. How you doing? Okay. More stress. It's still the same face. And all of a sudden, it just comes out. Will you leave me alone? Sorry. A little stressed. You know, you push it down and then it comes out. Or it just comes out. But we all face that. Those things that just cause stress and cause problems. And a can-do attitude is saying, despite the problem, this will not cripple us. As a church, that's very important. Every week, there's problems that we encounter. It's problems in relationships that we have to work out. There's problems with equipment that we have to fix. There's problems with structure that we have to finagle. Just like any group. But a proactive attitude is saying, you know, God's in control. God is in control of this. And he has given us the people that we need to solve the problems that we have. You know what a relief that is when you realize that God has given you what you need to solve the problems you have. And if you think you don't have what you need, he gives you what you need to solve the problems that you have. That's having a proactive attitude. Very easy to say. But it's difficult to remember, especially in the the moment of pressure and of problems. But a can-do attitude, being proactive, very important. We also want to do things sharply. That's part of our esprit de corps. We want to do things in a sharp way. Now, anytime you talk about sharp, it's kind of what we talked about last week related to excellence. We want to do things excellently. And when you do things excellently, it's okay. How can I do the best that I can do with the resources that I have? Not what someone else is doing, but based on who I am with what I have. And the same is true with with sharp. We want to do things in in such a way that we show that God really matters to us. And because we serve God and we worship God, we want to do it in a way that shows we we serve a God that is deserving of doing things in a way that's pleasing to him. And do we mess up and do things fall apart? Yes. But we want to really have an edge if we're trying to please God with everything that we do, from the small things to the big things. We want to do things in a sharp way. Now, it's not for competition. And it's, it's not to try to impress. But it's, it's really to, to represent the Lord well to others. And so how, how do we do that as a church? How do we do things in a sharp way that shows we've thought about the people that we're trying to reach? Okay? As we're in the community, as we're doing things, as people come to our church, how do we let people know that we have thought about you? We've thought about you before you've ever come. That goes a long way. That takes sharpness. It takes forethought. It takes thinking past the norms to how do we actually help people as they come to Church in the Valley. So that's very important to our esprit de corps. And the last is to be inclusive. And in Acts 5, if you want a picture of kind of the esprit de corps at work, you could read the book of Acts. And in that book, you see how did this group of people team together as people started to come to know Christ. And many people came to know Christ in the thousands at different points. 
And what you what you see is, is that they didn't really know that was going to happen and they didn't know the number and they didn't know that there was going to be such an explosive growth. But what you saw is they included people into their lives. They included people into their community. And you see that the Lord was blessed by that. And we talk a lot about in church life and circle. We all have a circle. Well, a circle oftentimes is closed. You know, oftentimes, I think every time, right? A circle is always closed. It's hard to penetrate a circle. In church life, we talk kind of circles in, in relationship to, to community. But really the picture is inclusive is, is like a stream where we're, we're in the water and we're telling people, you know, jump, jump in with us. And if they don't jump in, you get out and say, well, hey, jump in with me. And you're moving along and people are at different parts in the stream. But there's a sense in which we're moving together and we want people to, to jump in. We want people to experience what we're all about. Have you ever been at a place like maybe you've gone to a place where you're a stranger or, or you're a guest? You remember those times when you kind of walked into a scene and you're the only one that doesn't know somebody? Do you know? Every time you come to church and life for the first time, that's what it feels like. It doesn't matter if, if you're extroverted or introverted. There's a sense in which if you walk into a place where people greet you and they care about you and they ask how you're doing and they want to know your name, they want to know a little bit about you. There's a sense in which, wow, that these people care. But have you ever been to a scene or a place where there's people talking and you kind of walk up and they're like, <laughs> what'd you do? <laughs> That's a really obnoxious laugh. I'm just, you know, sorry, guys, this is just all flowing out here. Sound effect Sunday. OK, but you know what I'm talking about? There's a group and they're they're laughing and they're talking and you're like, wow, they're looking like they're having so much fun. And like, I want to know what they're talking about. And I want to kind of be a part of that group. And you, you walk up to them and. Hey, guys. What you doing? Oh, hi. Hi. And it's just this kind of staleness. When I was in high school, this is just a silly picture, but I had a friend that was a part of an athletic club. Okay. And it was right by my house. And I was walking by and she she said it was a, a gal that I was friends with. And she's like, hey, we can go to the athletic club, play some racquetball. I was like, okay, that'd be great. And so I went to the athletic club and I thought I'd be able to get in as a, like a guest membership. You know, they always have these guest memberships. And so I, I go to the front and I want to be a part of this athletic club. And they, they, didn't, they didn't let me in. And I was like on the outside looking in and there's glass. And all these people are working out and having fun. And I was just looking at them. I wonder what that'd be like to be part of an athletic club. And I was out of the club. I was out of the mix. And I, and I, I say that. That's, that's funny. It, it is now. <laughs> Took me a little while. But, but that's what it's like when you're in a group that's exclusive. You can't penetrate it. It's like you're looking at the glass on the other people. Thinking, I wonder what it's like to be a part. I wonder what it's like to be a part of the group. When church life... There should be no glass that people cannot penetrate. It should be a group that no matter where people are, they should be able to enter in and join with us. 
That's the kind of group that people want to be a part of. And so all of these work together to create this chemistry and morale that actually allows people to grow. It's it's the right temperature. It's the right atmosphere. It's got everything that's needed for people to grow. And so the challenge is as a church, how do we focus on the mission and have this esprit de corps in such a way that God uses us? And I just want to close with another scripture that kind of describes what this looks like. And on any team, that how do, how, do we, how do we win? That's the goal. Well, in church life, you don't really function as a team based on winning or losing. But in church life, it's actually what the New Testament calls the ministry of reconciliation. How do you reconcile people to God? How do you help people and share with them the good news that Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with them. And from that relationship, their life can change. How do we do that? That's the win. How do we reconcile people back to God? And what you find in the New Testament is a picture of this teaming together to do this. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is a truth that you can hold dear day after day, month after month, year after year. If you follow Jesus Christ and you decide to give your life over to Him, you are a new creation. It goes on. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is the hope that we all have. That we can change. That life can be different. But it's found in Christ And then verse 18 says this, all this is from God. This process of change, this process of teaming together, this process of actually doing what God wants us to do. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So the picture is we're in him. He changes us. We become something new. As we become something new, we connect with people to say in him you can change in him. You can become new like I have become new. So you're telling people about it. That's the ministry of reconciliation. That is, this is verse 19 in Christ. God was reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So he's saying, although we've all gone our own way and although we've sinned, He wants to use the people who follow him, Christ's followers, to remind people that even though you have messed up and you have sinned through Jesus, you can be reconciled to God. God does not hold that against you. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. So as you follow him, you have hope and you have forgiveness of your sins. So it just boils down. This is what it's all about. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so there's a couple things. As you have been about part of Church in the Valley for a while, if you're checking out Church in the Valley, if you're investigating Christianity, or if you've been a Christian a while, it really is summed up, all that we've been talking about, about how to team up together and do the mission. 
it's really central on this idea of helping people learn what it means to follow Jesus Christ and become the new creation that he wants them to be. There's a couple things that we can do to team up for the long haul in this ministry of reconciliation. The first is let God change me and let God use me. Okay? We all have things that about us that we need to work on. Part of following Christ is you don't come to God saying, you know, God, I'm going to get my life right first. I'm going to get everything in order. I'm going to make sure I'm appropriate to, to meet you. And then we'll talk shop. No, Christ is come as you are in your brokenness, in your sin, in all the things that you're facing. Come as you are. And then the change happens. Many times we try to change ourselves and then come to God like, I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you, God. And God says, no, 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 no. You can't change yourself because it's anyone who is in me is a new creation. So the first thing is, is we have to go to God continually. And out of our messes, the things that we've done, the things that we've said, the things that we've thought, all of the messes, that's where God wants to use our ministry. So out of our messes comes the ministry that we can embark on. So as we come to God, it's not saying that I've arrived or I'm perfect, but God, I messed up. I need your help. But will you use me? And it begins with he changes us from the inside out. Then he connects us to his team, other people who follow Christ. And as we do that, change begins to happen over time. Now, we have to throw off some of the old ways and the old patterns, and it's a process that can take years. But ultimately, we're becoming the creation that is new in him. So we have to start. It starts with coming to God, letting him change us. Even the messes that we have, letting him kind of rearrange us and our priorities and the things that are important. The second thing is we have to aggressively cooperate despite the urge to pull away from others. Isolation is probably the worst thing that can happen to a Christ follower. Isolation is just pulling away. Being alone, trying to figure it out yourself. But we all have that pull. Because we really don't want to tell ourselves the truth a lot. But it's as we're in groups of people that we actually can be told the truth about our life. We can be, look at others and see what's important to them and, and it helps us. But when we're by ourselves, everything makes sense to us, right? When I'm by myself, my ideas are really great. When I'm by myself, what I'm doing in my life, it all makes sense. When I'm by myself, when I'm by myself, we can go on and on. But it's when you're with a group of people that are doing things differently that you experience, okay, there's, there's a difference here. And there's always that tendency to get pulled out of the group And it could be because of busyness. It could be because of convenience. It could be because we frankly don't want people to see who we are. There's numerous reasons. But to team up for the long haul, to really allow God to use you means you're going to move past being a lone ranger. To actually realizing that you need people. Think about that. Do you need people? I know I do. My sense is that we all do. But really realizing that means that we will choose 
to kind of move away from that pull to withdraw. We all have it. We withdraw. We just kind of come out, come back here. We're seeing what's going on, but it's far enough away that we don't have to get involved. But you can't be helped and you can't help people if you withdraw. Instead, this ministry of reconciliation is you're right there with people. And that's the kind of team and that's the kind of lives that God wants us to live. Despite the pull, we're going to move towards people. And so I just want to encourage you as as you're teaming up in Church in the Valley, and as you're getting to know people, continue to pull towards the group. Take the time to do that. Practically, that looks like, you know, on a Sunday morning, take the time to talk with people, find out what's going on after church, go to lunch, take the time to talk and find out what's going on. It's really difficult to team up if you don't know people. And so take initiative with others, take time with others. And if it's not on a Sunday, figure out how can I get to know people? God wants you to help. God wants to help you with that. Another thing is. You may just realize there's some of this esprit de corps, there's some of these attitudes that that I need to to work on, that I need to focus on. And maybe morale is down in family life. There's just a sense in which we're not working together. Kids, spouses, whatever it is. Or at work. Whatever it is, there's a sense in like there's something there. Ask God to show you. Is is there a part that's esprit de corps? Do do you have to work towards cohesion more? Um, do you have a can-do attitude or are you kind of like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it? Ask God to stretch you in that. I'm going to pray as the band comes up and we're going to have some more singing. We're going to be receiving our offering. But I just wanted to, to really take the time to pray to thank God for the team that he's put together here at Church in the Valley. Please pray with me. God, we, we do thank you that from the Bible and the life of Jesus Christ, we can have a picture of what ministry is and what it is really important. And when it comes down to it, it's allowing you to change us and then sharing with others what happened. And I know that you've changed me and you've changed people in here that without you, we would be completely different people. And I thank you that you are The God who changes us, you help us, you guide us. And I pray that you will allow us today to make choices that will point us towards people and not isolation. Show us if there's anything in us where we're walling up and just pushing people away. And God, I pray that you'll bring the people to us or help us to go to the people that we need to so we may team up in a way that that really makes a difference. We ask for your help and for unity. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We really hope that this has been a help for you guys. Um, In a moment, we are going to be receiving our offering, so go ahead and pull out your connection card. Finish filling out any information that you weren't able to fill fill out on it earlier. That's something I want to pull your attention to. If you look at the back of your communication card, there's a section that says, my next step today is. The reason we have this is because we really want to encourage you guys to make practical applications of what you're learning. And out of those applications, you're really going to see the blessing of God come into your life. 
Um, so there's a couple suggestions on here for things that you could choose to do. You can look for ways to pull together towards the team here at Church in the Valley, whether that's joining a service team or the next time groups come around, you can join a group. And there's many different ways to really connect and really team up with us here at Church in the Valley. You could pray for unity for the church as we team together and really just ask God to help us live out that esprit de corps that uh, Pastor Alex was talking about. And then we can also you can also plan and pray over how God might want you to give um, towards the church offering. So go ahead and mark that down, or if God brought something else to your brain, just go ahead and write that down, and uh, the band's going to continue to lead us.